do. If you would, take your Bible, let's go to uh, Revelation chapter 6. It has been a while since we have um, gone into and uh, looked at uh, our uh, heavy topics for our time and uh, in looking at the seven seal judgments. We began, um, we've only done two rounds of it. Uh, the last time, uh, several services ago, uh, that we dealt with it, uh, we talked about the first seal and, uh, and the, whor- the, the, the rider and the, the white horse and dealt with the, uh, the, the understanding of the different views that people have concerning who um, the rider is on the white horse and, uh, and came down to a conclusion that I believe uh, is the most obvious and best conclusion. We said the closest uh, of the four view, views of, of that first seal and who the rider could be, the closest one um, that is to accurate but is yet still not fully accurate is those that believe it represents Jesus Christ. The reason it's the closest but yet not quite hit the nail on the head is because uh, it is one who tries to mimic and be like Jesus but he is a false Christ. He is the Antichrist, the white horse of peace, the white horse of being able to, to clean up and present all those, those things the world is looking for, the answer for peace in the world, the one with a silver tongue that can draw all men to his lies and deception, um, and that presented through the first seal. And may I say, these seal judgments is God's, we mentioned, is God's control over the entire scenario. I uh, mentioned last time that, uh, that some people view the idea of tribulation as the time frame when, when Satan and, and all of, of his cohort um, have taken full control. They are in full control of everything. God turns it all over to them and, and they just rule and reign and do their deed on their own merits and own plans. But actually as a whole, when you get down to it, that idea is in error because not one time, even through uh, the, and we see it through what's presented in Revelation here, through the judgments and several other things that take place, but not one time throughout the entire tribulation period are things happening that God has not already foreordained to happen. Amen. He is still in control of it. He has released uh, for, for um, the Antichrist, for, for Satan himself, he has released for the world to face judgment through the tribulation because of the wickedness of the world. There is great judgment going to be um, felt and brought about through the tribulation. Uh, but as a whole, it is not according to Satan's plan. It is according to God's allowance and God's plan. Uh, Satan is merely the operator of that which God has already prescribed to this world. And, um, and so as we look at this, the first seal um, is, it, the, each one of these seals actually mentioned in Revelation chapter 6 uh, is, is merely a, a segmented layout of those things which are taking place if you were to watch 
on the, on the earthly side of it, it would just look like a transition of things happening as just a, a mode of operation through the tribulation period, especially the early parts. You wouldn't see it as seven seals being opened and different things happening. You would see it as a natural progression of things, which I think we'll get a little idea of that even tonight as we look at two more of the seals very quickly that are opened. But the first seal uh, is, is the very first thing happening uh, in the beginning of the tribulation period, which is what, what, what starts the tribulation as a whole? Well, uh, tribulation starts when there is a peace accord signed that is led by the Antichrist who will be deemed as the Savior of the world. So when you look at the correlating things happening as to when uh, the judgments during tribulation uh, technically are beginning and you look at what the Bible from the heaven, heavenly viewpoint as John is describing it from heaven's view it is Christ removing the seals of a book that is written and designed by God himself the father and Christ the only one the lamb is worthy to loose the seals and to read and re reveal what is written in the book that God has written or the scroll that God has written. And so with each seal, uh, there is action that has been prescribed by God himself on earth. It just becomes a natural transition of events that take place, starting with the white horse and his rider. That uh, we, we see, and I go back to, and if you look here, Revelation uh, uh, chapter 6, verse number 1, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, uh, one uh, of the four beasts saying, come and see, and I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer and therefore, not necessarily war, we said, because you find in just a minute, war is in the second seal. So it wouldn't make sense for him to go out and have war when you're about to have the same thing happen again. There needs to be divisions of what's taking place. And so the, this first writer is one who goes to conquer He's conquering and to conquer, but how do we do it? We, we said uh, last time that um, the, more than likely, uh, the, the white horse picturing uh, peace, the bow is a picture of strength and leadership, a crown is a picture of authority that is given to him, conquering and to conquer possibly through political skill, through convincing the world to follow him without having to raise a single sword or having to do anything uh, dramatic. He himself will be the sil silver tongue orator that draws people and they will say, even Israel will say, our Messiah, the one who brings peace. But they will shortly find out that that peace is not reality, it's merely an illusion, or may I even say a deception, in order to gain power. But they willfully give him the power, but he does not as of yet have complete and total control. He just has great power going forth, conquering and to conquer. 
So we come to the second seal. Uh, verse 3 and verse number 4 present to us uh, the second seal. And, uh, and I'm going to give you the second and the third seals, and it's going to do it quickly tonight because there, there's not a, a great deal to these, but they are interesting in seeing how things unfold on earth versus how it is viewed from heaven. And so the second seal, this view from heaven, verse number three says, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword." So the breaking of the second seal continues now the events of the tribulation by revealing a great war that takes place in the early part of the first half of the tribulation. So you have the Antichrist comes on the scene. It's a natural idea. Hey, by the way, consider this. The rapture has taken place. Millions of people around the globe have disappeared. Who knows exactly what that looks like? What is left behind? Who knows what all chaos now ensues? And, and, and everybody trying to figure out what are we going to do? You got countries trying to figure out how are we going to survive? As one preacher we put it, and we already mentioned before, but um, uh, you, you have the idea that if if all the godly, if the, if the Christians, the Godly people that live in society are your hardworking, honest, tax-paying citizens. What happens to the country when there's no more hardworking, honest, tax-paying people left? The place spins into chaos. Everybody starts going after and, and going to get mine first because if I don't get mine, somebody's going to take it from me. And so you start having the same thing that happens when you have hurricanes come down through the south. You have people leave. The honest people get out. The honest people go to take care of their families. What happens? The dishonest people stay behind and risk their lives that while nobody is there, they loot and pillage and rip out and tear up everything they can to take it under themselves, to keep it for themselves, and, and, and to destroy anything that's left behind. What do you think is going to happen when millions of people are gone like that and nobody can fully explain it right away Chaos will ensue. So what happens when it comes to uh, the Antichrist, white horse, comes on the scene? What is that? The answer to help chaos with the promise of peace. The promise of calm. The promise of an answer of how we, can, we need to band together as one unit, as one mankind, as one world, one government one currency, one order. They're already talking about it now. I believe the rapture will be a trigger point. And mass chaos will be an absolute presentation of the need of now is the time. And, oh, look, here's the man that can lead us. 
But as he comes in, and that naturally transitions into peace, everybody gives him the crown. They say, take us, and he's got great authority, great charisma. Uh, He possibly already has uh, um, uh, the the, the power to woo and to, uh, to lead political leaders behind him. And, uh, and so he comes through, he does this, but then the second seal is opened in heaven. So all this, how long do these different time frames take place? The Bible does not tell us specifically, but we do know it doesn't happen in a massive span of time because the entire tribulation period is only seven years. So therefore, first three and a half years, you've only got a little bit of time for things to progress. So it might, maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a month. But regardless, uh, as he is coming into power, peace is being, quote unquote, established. And, uh, and there is peace accords and agreements in, in Jerusalem being signed. Uh, Israel feeling like they've got their Messiah to bring peace and to come and rule for them. And, and so they're following him wholeheartedly. The world begins to follow him wholeheartedly. And now it looks like all of a sudden we're all in agreement. Then comes the second horse. The second seal is broken, and it continues these events uh, of the tribulation by revealing a great war. The red horse naturally picturing bloodshed. Then uh, uh, the removal of peace is an evidence of the real purpose of Antichrist. He's not there to produce peace. He's there to take full control. Peace is just uh, uh, his, uh, his mode, uh, 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 his transportation, uh, you might say, uh, his, his hobby horse and cart to get himself into where he wants to be. And so he claims peace while he actually wants dictatorship. And so uh, the, the, this war begins to, to, to be ensued because of the true purpose of Antichrist. And the Bible says that there is a great sword given unto the one who rides the red horse. And that, of course, that sword is an object of war, execution, and slaughter. And may I say, you just look at all that's going on. Israel is going to have uh, the idea and the deception of peace. And Israel is going to think they have found the Messiah who brings them peace. And it will be short-lived because it doesn't take very long before all that has already been going now. What's happening now is actually all the build-up for what is going to be gathered and acted upon in this time. And there is going to be war around the world, but there's going to be a, a, a big focus not, not the main as a whole, but there is going to be a big focus of it being war against Israel. And at this point, the Antichrist is going to be one who appears to be trying to protect Israel. But that's just because he hasn't quite gotten to the time frame where he can get what he fully wants out of them yet. That comes the three and a half year mark when he steps into the temple and claims to be God. But he's not there yet. But there, there is the call for peace, the idea that there can be peace, but yet it doesn't take very long before there's the reality that peace is not just coming because somebody signed a piece of paper. There is still a lot of people who want 
to see Israel removed and wiped off the face of the, uh, of the world. And there's going to be a big attack that will one day at some point in all this come against Israel. Uh, and that is going to be um, uh, the, the armies of the north. You're talking about Russia. You're talking about Russia with a, a pact with possibly Iran and several other countries. And there is going to be an idea of a great attack to wipe away and do away with Israel as a whole. Now, we're not getting to, to that per se right now. But may I say, all of this war that's taken place with the second seal uh, is merely a precursor and, and, and a bit of a starting point in the attack against Israel. But right now, they have somebody still trying to help defend them and, and trying to help protect to a degree, and that is their Savior, the Antichrist. It's not time for him to fully turn on them. I remind you, after the uh, three and a half years, and we'll look at it more later, after three and a half years, when Satan is cast uh, to this earth to complete uh, his deeds in the, in the final great tribulation time, that, uh, that all those that said they're here to bring peace to Israel will actually turn completely opposite and seek to draw all nations to destroy Israel, and that will be the leader doing it. The so-called bringer of peace to Israel will be the one to try to annihilate them completely. And that is during the second half of the tribulation called the Great Tribulation. We'll get to that later. But all this is just building, building, building. So the second seal is opened. That second seal has a red horse and a rider on it is given a great sword and, and war takes place and bloodshed is taking place. So it is an evidence that after this claim of peace, it doesn't take very long before worldwide war begins to break out in many different facets. Then uh, you see the third, third seal. And this is where we're going we're gonna to kind of uh, wrap up um, this, uh, this time for tonight. But the third seal is found in verse number five and verse number six. It says, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And behold, lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So as a whole, I'm not going to deal as much with the hurt not the oil and the wine. Uh, I mean, there, there, there will be some things to help preserve uh, people as a whole. But uh, the bigger focus is on what we see in, in the third, the, the, the horse and, and, and the, the rider as a whole, what does it represent? In, in the third horseman of the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, that we see here within the four seals. And so the, uh, the third horse, oh, let me put it this way. The breaking of the third seal presents an increase in the clear devastating situation under the c control of the Antichrist. And so things are increasing Things are getting worse. Things are, are, are growing in, in their intensity as, as the tribulation period progresses. And so you have now the, the black horse. Uh, the black horse as a whole uh, is a picture of great famine. Dark days. Uh, the pair of balances would represent as a whole and a picture of poverty. Poverty. 
whenever, whenever they, would, uh, they would weigh out for, for buying and selling, they would use, in Bible time, they used the balance, they used the scales, and they were to have a, 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 a true weight and a true balance, a false balance was an abomination. And, and, and so all of that, understanding the scales in weighing things out and, and, uh, and how much a person would owe and how much, it, how much are they paying on their bill. and all. So all that kind of stuff dealt with the financial systems uh, in, in understanding those things. So a pair of balances deals with the fact that you have famine, famine you have poverty, and then um, you see also an increase in the cost of food. Worldwide hyperinflation takes place with a third seal. You say, well, where do you get that from? Well, where it talks about uh, in, in verse uh, number six, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. That's pretty cheap if you ask me. <laughs> Not when you actually examine what a penny within John's time frame, would represent. As a whole, a penny within John's time frame would have the representation of an entire day's wage. So each individual would work a full day to have just enough to buy just enough for them to eat just enough for that day. And that's not counting if they got family. If you did not work, you did not get paid, you did not have money, therefore you have to divide what it is that somebody did work for and a penny, a full day. Now imagine this. We're, we're talking about um, the reference here of the basic needs for pre preparing meals to eat and not some big meal, but just enough for a meal. And that it will cost an astounding amount of money. During this time of the, of the tribulation period, that, that, that first three and a half years, there is a clear description of a great famine and starvation for the inhabitants of earth. And here's an interesting way to, to view. You see it from heaven. A seal is open. Judgment takes place. A seal is open. Judgment takes place. A seal is open. Judgment takes place. But on earth, you just see Antichrist comes to the surface and he is the answer for peace. Though he claims peace, there's a natural transition of things and now there's war and now there's attack and people are being killed left and right and there just seems to be nonstop uh, bloodshed and issues and then after great war and bloodshed, now comes famine and, and, and poverty and the whole world is turned upside down and, and, and everything costs so much you can barely even survive. One preacher put it this way, keep in mind that if you look throughout history, you'll find that famine is almost always the aftermath of severe war. Look at Germany. After World War II, Germany was divided and, and you, you have East and West Germany. You had uh, uh, America and, and, and the Allies, other, other countries able to, to focus on, uh, remind me, my brain just died, West Germany. Whereas Russia took control of East Germany, they put a big wall up. Though there were 
consequences to a degree. You know, you look, you look at, uh, at Germany as a whole, um, and you, you, you look at all that, that went on, um, and you look at the aftermath and, and, and the, the uh, waste land that Germany as a whole was because of constant bombardings. And as a matter of fact, you, you look at Germany, look at France, look at all the different countries. Uh, there was a long time of trying to recuperate from the destruction that took place, but especially in Germany, where people were, unfortunately, to a degree, even whether they were Nazis or not, they were hated. Whether, whether they were captives in their own country or not, it was their fault, and therefore uh, they were going to pay a price. Even if on the side where America was there, did America help? Yes. Uh, but may I say, it wasn't necessarily easy going just because they were on the American side. It was a struggle. But you go on the other side where you have the dictatorship mentality, you have lower character of, of operating um, uh, in, in, in government, and you have a communist mentality, and, and what you have is they just about starved the people to death. Because they suffered the results of great war, and no aid came to help them recover, they were held in the consequence and punishment. And may I say, picture that now in the tribulation time frame and tribulation as a whole, no matter what this world and the inhabitants of this earth see that time frame as being, in God's eyes, the tribulation as a whole is a continually, gradually increasing judgment. Promise of peace, but it's false peace. Brings about uh, unsuspecting war and devastation throughout the world is being created as there is a, a pulling at power, but at the same time, a, an overall attack at trying to always try to destroy the Jews and the, and the nation of Israel. And then after all this fallout and all the fighting, you have now death upon the fact of destruction, and with all of that comes the destruction of crops, comes the destruction of, of, of refineries, comes the destruction of, of the, the, the mills and the different things to help produce. And, and whether it is by lack of supply or it is by those who now control the supply, either way, you have a great famine time frame and the people are in poverty, food is either scarce or withheld, and the price of it goes out the roof, and you have to work an entire day for a meal. May I say the world has seen similar scenarios, and they're called very dark days in a nation. Why would it be a... A, a black horse or a dark horse because it is a dark time for the world, but yet it has not even gotten as bad as it's going to get. At that point, it is just becoming a taste of what will come in greater form as the Antichrist takes more and more power and then when Satan is released, and, and I say released, when he is cast to this earth to do what he must do, 
Not only do you have, and I said it before, but to say it again, it makes sense. Why do you go from what is called tribulation to great tribulation? One pastor put it this way, and I agree with him. He said, because not only does tribulation mean the judgment of God and the wrath of God, because all of the tribulation is considered the wrath of God. But when you reach the three and a half year mark and Satan is cast, he is cast with authority from heaven. And he is cast with, with, with a, a vehement, you're, you will never come back to this place. And Satan is cast with an anger and a hatred and a wrath that he is going to pour out on mankind. So you have God's wrath now coupled with Satan's wrath, which produces great wrath and great tribulation. What we're talking about right now in the first three seals is still within the first three and a half years. And it's really bad, but it's going to get a whole lot worse. I just say, thank God. I believe that the Lord's coming back to pull us out of here. Take his bride away because what, what groom would rightfully and lovingly send his bride through torture and tribulation? What, what groom would not want to save the one he loves so much from such a time? Therefore, thus comes the Lord Jesus Christ, we meet him in the air, we're caught out together, and begins the seal judgments. Church is gone. Antichrist is revealed. Peace is declared. War will then ensue shortly thereafter. And then due to that war comes famine, poverty, and hyperinflation worldwide that had taken an entire day's wage to get enough to eat a meal. Glad I'm not going to be here. Amen. Amen. But Well, that's three seals so far. Uh, we will um, go investigate the fourth seal, Lord willing, uh, next Sunday morning. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for... Uh,